This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I'm grateful that you've tuned in today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate, as always, through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for your support throughout uh, 10 full months of this year as we start month number 11. It's a very important month. We have a ton planned for you this month to help to equip you to more effectively live, share, and defend your faith. At the top of our list is November 17th. That's our next Zoom webinar with our monthly partners. Please mark the date for this event. This is going to be important. It is an opportunity for us to have an intimate gathering of monthly partners via Zoom in order for us to reflect on our midterm election and to discuss the Christian and politics, what the Bible has to say about that relationship, how we can bear faithful witness in a hyper-politicized culture. Uh, We'll talk about all of that and much, much more. If you are not yet registered, please know that the email has been sent to you. Just click on, open up your Equipper Encouragement email, and uh, the details are there. Uh, Also, if you're not a monthly partner but you'd like to attend this event, don't fret, don't worry. It's easy to become one. Go to our website, click on equipradio.org, and there you can find out how to become an Equipper, or it's even easier to dial 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Today, I want to talk about a very important topic that hopefully you've been paying some attention to, and that is the rise of anti-Semitism in our culture. Now, this has uh, been a uh, a issue that our culture has dealt with for quite some time, but it certainly has uh, captured our attention of recent with some high-profile individuals that have uh, said and done some things that has, uh, I think, led to uh, a renewed rise of hate crimes and hate speech towards uh, the Jewish people. Now, we all know that over a string of interviews over the last several weeks, Kanye West, uh, rapper, entrepreneur, artist, uh, said several anti-Semitic comments, uh, even referring to the Jewish people as controlling all things concerning media and fashion and uh, the world's economies. Uh, he promoted that theory and that they were the uh, the cause of so many people not being able to uh, to prosper. He went on to say that he was going to, quote, unquote, go DEFCON uh, on them. And uh, that uh, caused some uh, to begin to hang banners over the last several weeks. We've seen in L.A. over uh, highway um, over overpass individuals who hung banners saying Kanye West was right about the Jews. 
later on, it was discovered that a uh, basketball player, Brooklyn Nets star uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, he uh, posted on his Twitter account a, uh, a anti-Semitic video uh, that says, among other things, that high-ranking Jews have admitted to worshiping Satan. Uh, it was so bad that uh, owner of the New England uh, Patriots, Robert Kraft, as well as Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, uh, issued out uh, statements and even took out um, national newspaper ads to stand against Jewish hatred. My question in all of this as Christians and why I think we need to be mindful of it is that uh, is, is twofold. Number one, how does this impact our witness and evangelism with the Jewish community? When, when moments like this happen, how does it affect our relationship as Christians and the inroads that some have been working for years to make in order to share our faith? And then secondly, how does this current moment relate to our history? We need to be uh, mindful of those things to understand how we need to properly respond. So I reached out to a friend that I think will help us to discern these things uh, with wisdom, Dr. Daryl Bach. He's the Executive Director of Cultural Engagement and Senior Research Professor of New Testament at Dallas Theological Seminary. He's also the author of over 40 books. He's a good friend of uh, the ministry, and he's also uh, a consultant and uh, very much involved, I think, as a board member of Chosen People Ministries. Uh, Daryl Bach joins me now. Hey, Daryl, how are you, sir? Doing great, Chris. How are you? I am doing really, uh, really well. Obviously, very troubled in my heart. Um, You heard my introduction just by way of initial reflection, have you been following these stories and what have been your thoughts? Yeah, a little bit from a distance, but yes, I mean, they, these are, but um, it's a little bit like whack-a-mole, you know? It pops up every now and then, but there's an ongoing nature to this that is also important and that lies underneath it that actually in some ways may be the more important feature of of what we're seeing. Joe Carter, writing for um, the um, Gospel Coalition, uh, did a a full article on what Christians should know about anti-Semitism. And uh, one of the things that we need to know, Daryl, is that it is not a contemporary phenomenon. Talk to us a little bit about the historical realities of Jewish hate. Well, it goes uh, way, way back. I was in class this morning here at the seminary, and I was reading from 1 Maccabees, which is when the Seleucids, or the Syrians, invaded uh, Israel uh, as the, at the start of the Maccabean War, which dates to 167 to 164 B.C. And this was an attempt to wipe Judaism and Jewish religion off the face of the map, uh, to uh, desecrate the temple, sack it, um, burn Torah, uh, copies of the Old Testament, etc., um, change Jewish habits and make them live like Gentiles, etc. So this is, this is old. This has been going on for a very, very long time. You go even further, you have um, the Jews who are uh, living as slaves in Egypt, led to the exodus and the formation of the nation of Israel. So um, anti-Semitism has been something that's been in the background for a very, very long time. 
For those who aren't familiar with uh, Chosen People Ministries, can you just share a little bit about the ministry work there and your role? Yeah, I've, I've been on the board now for a few decades. It's, it is a ministry designed to reach out to Jewish people with the gospel and also to equip Gentiles to know, how, well, one, to understand Judaism and two, understand Jewish people, the varieties of Jewish people that exist and how to think about sharing Christ with them given the fact that the Christian message has Jewish roots and a Jewish backdrop to it you know jesus was crucified (laughs) interestingly enough as king of the jews that's what was said on the cross when he was sent to the cross so there's this relationship with israel and with judaism that christianity has that chosen people ministries is also um, sensitive to uh, make people aware of there are those who may hear us use the term and we're going to be using it throughout this discussion anti-semitism and they may say well what is uh what does that mean Um, How would you describe it? What definition, if any, would you place on anti-Semitism or what is uh, what is Semitic? What does it mean to be Semitic? Well, uh, to be Semitic is is to be a race that comes from the uh, from the Middle Eastern area, that kind of thing. Uh, There are a whole host of Semitic languages, not just not just Hebrew. Uh, but anti-Semitism is a more narrow term. It, it refers to hatred of, uh, of Jewish people in particular, at least in its, in its cultural usage. And so anti-Semitism are statements that are directed against Jews uh, from a racial point of view. I, I listened to your remarks uh, at the start about, uh, about um, Kanye West and Kyrie Irving yeah. and about Jews being in control of the world, and I'm sitting here going, this is 0.2% of the world's population. It's 14.8 million people out of, you know, seven plus billion. Um, yeah. So that, that's, it's an amazing claim that, that someone would suggest that that small a group can control so much of what goes on in the world. I can think of um, many other groups whose world influence is far greater uh, than the influence of Jewish people. I think what's often done in, in, in those types of uh, accusations as well as cherry-picking uh, those uh, men and women from Jewish backgrounds who have achieved some type of co- corporate or cultural success and uh, using them as examples of control. And in some ways, it is a backdoor way of criticizing uh, the hard work and effort of some. Um, But if I go back to this definition of anti-Semitism, while there is no one universal definition, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance did adopt, and this is 31 countries that came in alignment uh, a list of terms of in 11, 11 key areas of what anti-Semitism looks like. And I just want to mention some of these. Uh, calling for, aiding, or justifying the killing or harming of Jews uh, in the name of radicalized ideology. Obviously, we typically associate that with Islamic countries. But certainly, uh, from the interviews that Kanye West did, uh, the type of vitriol and threatening language he uses, I think, encouraged that. That That's clearly what caused companies like Adidas and others to say we're 
disassociating with him, uh, going on making dehumanizing or demonizing stereotypical allegations about Jews, such as the power of collective Jews uh, and myths about uh, conspiracies and government control. Uh, Thirdly, accusing Jews as a people of being responsible for real or imagined wrongdoings uh, that were committed by one Jew. Uh, Fourthly, denying the Holocaust or minimizing the effect of Holocaust. So there's a number of things that are here that we see. And again, Dr. Bach, I just want to just emphasize for my listeners, though some may be coming aware of this, these are things that date back World War II era, even prior, aren't they? Yeah, I, you you went bef- you kind of go where I was thinking. Uh, you know, I'm an old man. I'm almost seventy, and I remember in the '60s, groups like the John Birch Society, et cetera, making charges very much like what Kanye West was saying about the media being in control and and Jews controlling the levers of power, that kind of thing. And I and I'm going. You know, I've heard this before. I've heard this long ago when I was very very young, barely knew. Uh, you know, very new, barely knew what was going on around me, but I, I heard this chirping, if I can describe yes. it, uh, going on and going, um, something's not right here. Um, and you're right, it, it predates that. And as I've suggested, I've taken us way, way, way back um, uh, to the start of some of this. But it, it has to do in part with the fact that the Jews have lived as a distinctive people. Uh, from very early on. I mean, that for a long time, they were the one religion that believed in there was only one God. And so this distinction that they've made that's been a part of their, um, been a part of their heritage from the very beginning marked them out as different than the, almost all the world around them. And yes. I think it brought some of this vitriol that you're seeing. Um, and, uh, of course, since you have two other what are called monotheistic religions, Christianity and Islam, that have come since. But uh, but I think that's probably one of the features that caused this reaction was the unique uh, claim that Israel made to know the true God. Yes. So he, he, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. But when I come back, I want to take up some questions like how pervasive, pervasive is the problem of anti-Semitism. I also want us to talk about how should Christians respond? And maybe uh, parenthetical to that discussion, we'll talk about what is Christian anti-Semitism, because we have to also be very much mindful of the failures of our own history as Christians. I want you to join the conversation as always. Maybe you have questions for me or Dr. Bach. Maybe you are a Jewish believer in Jesus and you'd uh, like to weigh into the conversation, we love to hear from you. The phone number, 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. There's so much more to come, so don't go anywhere. Next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. We all want to live joy-filled lives, 
filled with satisfaction in God. But that life is not automatic, even for seasoned saints. So what do you do when you're weary in the battle and you want to give up? John Piper's book, When I Don't Desire God, will energize you as you fight for joy and encourage others along the way. Ask for your copy when you support Equip this month. Call 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Dr. Daryl Bach is my guest today. Uh, he sits on the board of Chosen People Ministries. It's a ministry that has been building bridges uh, for the gospel with the Jewish community. Uh, he's also uh, executive director of cultural engagement and senior research professor of New Testament at Dallas Theological Seminary. He is a true gift to the body of Christ, and I would encourage you uh, to follow his ministry, read his writings. But I do have one correction for you, Dr. Bach. You've been on with me many times that I've never had to correct you before, but one correction, you are not an old man. I do want to correct that <laughs> statement. I, I will say this. I was speaking to a group of young adults. I'm 45 right now, and I was speaking to a group of young adults, and I said, hey, uh, what? how old is old? And they started throwing out numbers, and I had to shut down the exercise because it got too personal. They uh, <laughs> well, old gets younger. Old gets younger all the time. So uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm I'm 68 since you confessed your age. I'll, I'll be I'll do it in equal term. I'm 68, getting ready to turn 69 next month, and I never thought I'd make it to 70, and I might just do it. So it's just you know, wow. I'm, I'm feeling that being on the edge of life, if I can say it that way. <laughs> well, you God has used you mightily, and I'm sure He's not done yet. So uh, again, I appreciate you uh, taking up this topic: how Christians should respond to anti-Semitism. One of the questions I asked was, uh, how, how pers pervasive is this? I just want to read, uh, again, some stats that come from uh, several, uh, several reports. One is from a Pew Research Center survey on religious belief and national belonging, and it targeted Central and Eastern Europe. And uh, folks were asked there just about their feelings about um, intermarrying with Jews. And 53% of respondents in Greece and Romania, 48% in Lithuania, 37% in Czech Republic answered negatively, saying that they would not want a Jewish person to be part of their family. And it just, again, is an example of the underlying uh, bigotry that's there, as well as here in this, this country, where uh, Jewish people make up only 2% of the population, uh, there are 1,300 and 40 victims of anti-religious hate crimes towards Jews on average per year. That's a lot. That is a lot. And I think this year they've even seen a higher amount. So this is not something narrow is my point, Dr. Bach. This, this to me seems to uh, be an issue that is pretty pervasive even beyond just this country. Yeah, it it is. I mean, um, now I could I could make as an aside the remark that intermarriage has always been a controversial topic, almost no matter which groups yes, are yes. intermarrying. So, um, but having said that, there is 
there there is a problem. I mean, you know, you can think about the uh, the multiple murders in Pittsburgh that we experienced a few years ago. You can think about numerous incidents that sometimes get um, publicized about swastikas being put on synagogues, that kind of thing. Um, it just manifests itself in a variety of ways, and and it reflects it reflects uh, an attitude about someone who's different about the other, if I can say it that way, that humans tend to struggle with. I mean, at its core, anti-Semitism is nothing but an example of, uh, of a kind of tribal hatred that comes in, uh, an ethnic hatred. And usually that is fueled by the fact that someone is different than I am, has a different view of the world, sees things differently than I do, that kind of thing. And as I've suggested already, uh, I think part of what fueled this particular emphasis is the idea that Israel was the first people to see and believe in a single God in the midst of a world full of gods. And uh, that difference marked them out. Some of their practices marked them out. Uh, If you read Greco-Roman historians on Jews, they don't get uh, the idea uh, uh, of circumcision. They don't get the different calendar. They don't get the different diet. You know, the practices of Jews uh, were things that they saw as, as strange. And uh, and I think that that's part of what's in the long-term background of this attitude that Jews were different. They were, they were uh, clear about their differences in the way that they lived, and so that yes. drew attention to them. Let's go to the phone lines, Dr. Bach, if you don't mind. Let's go to Jordan, who's listening in Akron, Ohio. Hey, Jordan, thank you so much for listening. What's your comment today? Hi. um, I just wanted to weigh in because um, the conversation was mentioning um, Kanye West. And um, really just the rise of celebrity is becoming a detriment because as a first-generation African-American college graduate and a devout Christian woman, it's just, you know, even as a millennial, it's astonishing to see how far candor has gotten with global figures, like when Kanye made that comment of slavery being a choice, you know, inferring that Black or Afro-Americans want it to be captured and enslaved is, yeah, it's it's really, um, it's good that I'm I'm really glad that you are weighing in on this conversation, because it's concerning for me, because anything that big figures do weighs in on everyone in our community in the black community as a whole and so um yeah anyways i just wanted to thank you guys for giving me that platform to say that because the detriment of those you know stereotypes is um you know it's reflective in the way that police do their police work and or you know even sometimes over policing certain areas because of, you know, um, stereotypes. And um, like the one gentleman speaking mentioned, he's in his 70s, and you might think that, oh, you know, millennials have become um, tone deaf to, um, you know, the level of severity that should be allowed. But we have most certainly not. I have a nonprofit organization called Faith Forever Ministries um, that I established. So, you know, this is something dear to my heart. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you giving Yeah, Jordan, I I appreciate you giving a call in. And obviously, Dr. Bach, 
um, she brings up uh, several important points, not the least of which is that statements and ideas have consequences. If the Holocaust teaches us anything, it is that ideas have consequences. And as my friend John Stone Street says, bad ideas have victims. And the reality is, is that you can you, you can say these things and think that, um, man, these are just words. And we've all heard that old children's rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, words do hurt and words do motivate and they do provoke people uh, to, to action. And uh, we need to be aware of that connection. Um, Dr. Bach, any reflections on Jordan's comment? Yeah, I mean, if you th- just think about, now I'm going to generalize here a little bit, but if you just think about the lack of civil discourse that exists in our society today and the corresponding rise in problematic threats that we have experienced here in the last several years uh, in the way in which our, our disrespect for one another damages our society. Um, I I think that that's part, this is a segment of that larger problem uh, that we're dealing with today. And words do have consequences. They build up, they build up, they build up prejudices, they build up hatred. Um, There's a wonderful quote at the African American Museum in in Washington, D.C., which I heard recently. It's by Soren Kierkegaard. And it says, to label me is to negate me. And labels are words. So, um, uh, so sometimes yeah. the way we, we distance someone is by categorizing them, labeling them, and in that way trying to say, I don't want to have anything to do with you because. And, yes. uh, and that, that is so counter to Jesus' call for us to love our, our neighbors and even love our enemies and it's the love of enemies that makes Christians distinctive let's be clear uh, those Jews or non-Jews who have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior they need the gospel they need Christ so we're going to talk about that on the other side of this break how do we build bridges of evangelism with the Jewish people so that they can hear of Jesus their Messiah coming to save the world. We'll talk about that after this. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Having a fascinating conversation with Dr. Daryl Bach. We'll get back to that. But am I fired up? Man, this is exciting. I got a big announcement I've been waiting to make. And you get a chance to be the first to hear that from now through November 13th, we're gonna have an Equip Giveaway Contest, the first ever Equip Giveaway Contest. You get the special opportunity to get equipped this season with me and to grow spiritually, think critically, and live compassionately. What Moody Radio wants to do is empower you to live out the gospel by equipping you with resources like an Apple laptop. Who could use that? There's going to be a grand prize winner who will also win $500 in Logos software and a master class. How do you enter to win? Well, you go to moodyradio.org. Moodyradio.org, the Equip Giveaway Contest. You want to make sure that you do this. This grand prize is worth over $2,000, including, again, a laptop 
and the Logos Bible software, which is phenomenal. I used it to get through seminary and my uh, my graduate courses. Now, everyone who enters will receive a complimentary online course from Moody. It is called God, Creation, Sin, and Civilization. It's a phenomenal course. This is a fantastic course uh, taught by our own Dr. Russell Meek. Uh, He is a Moody professor, and I just want to encourage you to register today. This only is going to run through November 13th, so go to moodyradio.org, rather, moodyradio.org, and do it today. That's pretty exciting in my opinion. Today we're having a conversation with Dr. Daryl Bach from Dallas Theological Seminary about the rise of anti-Semitism and what we should know and how we should respond. So as Christians, we believe that everyone is in need of salvation. They all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That, Dr. Bach, includes the Jewish people, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I like to say, I like to start the gospel even though it goes through Genesis 3 and Genesis 1. We were all made in the image of God for a relationship with God. And what the gospel is designed to do is to take us back into that connection, that core connection of who we are. Our relationship with God gives us a sense of location about why we're here. We have too many people in the world who are trying to find themselves because they're dislocated by all the options that exist. And it is our sin that separates us from God, and Jesus has covered that with his sacrifice on the cross when I humbly recognize that before God and recognize that only God can help me to be the person I was created to be uh, and that Jesus Christ has provided the way for that, then uh, that message is for any person, any human being created by God. We're all his creatures and we're all made to be able to uh, interact with one another. I mean, the creation in Genesis 1 was designed to have us be collaborators in making the creation function well. I said, we're all designed to be hummers. We're supposed to make the creation hum. (laughs) And so, uh, and we've, we've turned this collaboration and cooperation into competition. That's what sin does. It divides us from one another. It divides us from God. And Jesus is a bridge to getting us connected both to God and to one another. Well, we keep talking about this history of anti-Semitism and some of it we have to own has been a part of uh, the Christian uh, family. Some have failed there, even great uh, leaders of the Christian faith. Martin Luther has been an example used by many who express anti-Semitic thought. And a lot of this goes back to the question, well, didn't the Jews kill Jesus? What's a proper theological response to that question? Well, in one sense, we all killed Jesus. Uh, He's there because of our sin. Uh, And uh, Jews, uh, the Jewish leadership was responsible for the death of Jesus. To put that on all Jews is is a little bit of an exaggeration, to say the least. Um, But the real issue is, is that Christ came to die for a world that was in rebellion to God. In other words, the whole point of his ministry, I I like to paraphrase John 3.16 this way. You know, it's a famous verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's the only sentence I use the word whosoever in in all the sentences that I utter from day to day. But, But the flip side of it is the short version is this. God so loved the world, and we're talking about a corrupt, sinful world. God so loved the world that he gave. 
And so right. that that's shows right. the attitude that we're supposed to have towards people. We are here to point the way to the love, care, kindness, compassion, um, and, and commitment that God had to restore us to himself. And he did that through Christ and through Christ's example, through Christ's sacrifice for the very people who had turned their backs on him. You know, when he's on the cross, he prays, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, and so the, this attitude is not supposed to be an attitude of condemnation, even though we can reject what it is that they did. It's, it's an attitude that says, um, you did this because you need something that God has offered to you that you can have free and by grace. And the beauty of doing it with Jewish people is they have the theological background for that message to connect. Yes. Because it's it's Israel's Messiah that we're talking about, and it's it's uh, it, it's the hope that Jews had had for centuries that Jesus is the fulfillment of, even though sometimes uh, we can be slow to see it. Before I get to how Christians should respond, I just want to make a, another point here, and that is, it is okay for us as Christian thinkers, as men and women who are following Jesus, upholding the Word as our highest standard to be able to compliment and critique uh, our heroes from Christian history. Uh, men and women are not uh, perfect. Uh, the, the reality is it is possible for uh, a person to do much good and, and have blind spots and failures in areas. And I think an honest accounting of history uh, should hold uh, folks accountable for the things that they did that did not live up to the gospel. Certainly we see that. In Galatians 2, as Paul confronts Peter over an area of behavior that was not in, in step with the gospel, as Paul says, but we can also commend them for the good that they did that was in step with the gospel. We don't have to take a whole holistic look of either good or bad as it pertains to our brothers and sisters from history. With that being said, Dr. Bach, how should, as you've thought about this, Christians respond when they see... Uh, anti-Semitic uh, activities, behaviors, how should we respond in moments like this? Well, I think uh, the first response is to, is to categorically reject it and to um, do so in ways that if you have the opportunity um, to counter and push back on it, to do so. Um, uh, a second way to do it is, is to communicate and get to know and learn uh, about your Jewish neighbors. I tell people, this is a general rule in thinking about evangelism, but it applies especially in Jewish contexts, that the first thing a person ought to do when they meet someone is is to get what I call a spiritual GPS reading on them, which means get to know them, let them tell their story, put your doctrinal meter on mute. Um, it's not going to go away. You aren't going to be able to turn it off probably, but Turn it on mute. Your, go your goal is to find out what makes this person tick and what what drives them spiritually, however they see or define that, because that's going to give you a way into understanding what matters to them. And and then the goal is to is to show how the gospel touches into those those needs and desires. And even though sometimes people are obviously tainted by sin and they they see. Um, darkly sometimes, that kind of thing. There are also longings in the human heart um, that 
that God can meet. And when those longings get expressed, they become bridges into which we can we can share uh, our our hope of Christ and talk about how Christ meets those desires. So I let people tell me about who they are and what they believe and why, and that and I that gives me an insight into what drives them, which can also open up a possibility of a door through which I can think about sharing the gospel. Why, why is it that Jesus is seen as non-Jewish or even antithetical to, uh, to Jews uh, broadly? What, what is the unique hostility towards Jesus? Uh, well, I think we forget his Jewish background because um, we, we, we forget, you know. Uh, Jews have a saying about the Holocaust that's pretty important, and it's called never forget. You know, it's about the importance of remembering. It's about yes. the importance of commemorating. It's about the importance of not letting history slip into, uh, you know, a dark hole, a black hole of distance by which I mean we become so distant from the history that we forget what it is. I used to, uh, I spent four single years in Germany uh, in post, uh, postgraduate work as, you know, on sabbaticals as a professor. And I lived in Tübingen, which was about an hour away from Munich. But a suburb of Munich was Dachau. And so people would come over and visit, and they'd say, oh, we'd like to go visit Munich. Can you take us? Because they knew we were familiar with the, with the country. And I said, I will only take you to Munich if you will give me a half day and I can take you to Dachau. Um, because I don't want a person who came to Germany to forget what part of its history was that has been so impactful in our own recent history uh, that it's worth remembering. And the beauty of the beauty of the horror of Dachau is is that they've documented uh, they've documented what took place there through a series of testimonies that you can listen to, many of which are in English. And so, um, so there's that. I've been to Auschwitz, which is a different kind of of uh, concentration camp memorial, in where Dachau is is verbal and has testimonies. Auschwitz is visual. You actually see the residue of what happened there with shoes stacked up endlessly representing all the lives that were there, that kind of thing, something I'll never forget having seen. And so just to be aware and to not lose sight of what that history is and has been and that it's been repeated over and over and over again, um, I think creates a sensitivity that will that, that leads someone to push back on someone who is anti-Semitic or says the Holocaust never happened or uh, these people deserve this. There are lots of different ways it gets said. And you're right about Luther and others who were, who were, who were anti-Semitic. And you're also right about the fact that we're not all perfect. And my elevator speech for that is just ask my wife. <laughs> that is the case, my friend. Listen, uh, the Bible says, Paul writes, that the gospel should be proclaimed to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. How does Jewish evangelism impact non-Jewish people and God's ultimate redemptive plan? We're going to ask Dr. Bach that on the other side of this break. You want to find out more about the program? Go to our website, equipradio.org. Don't forget to enter to win uh, this laptop and so many other prizes at moodyradio.org. 
Get equipped with me, Chris Brooks, and grow spiritually, think critically, and live compassionately in your community. Go to moodyradio.org and enter for a chance to win a new Apple laptop. Grand prize winner will also win $500 in log off software, a masterclass, and more. Now, runners-up will win an equipped t-shirt or the book, One Volume Seminary. Contest ends November 14th. For a full list of prizes and to enter, go to moodyradio.org. Make plans to be with me for the next Equipper Zoom webinar. Join me on Thursday, November 17th, right after the program. We'll be addressing the topic, the Christian and politics. I'll share ways that we can faithfully navigate the political process and keep our hearts aligned with God's purpose for this world. This webinar is a perk of being part of our team of Equippers, our monthly partners. So Equippers, check your inbox for an email from me with registration details for this free interactive meeting. Not an Equipper and want to attend? Become a monthly partner by calling 888-644-4144 or online at EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Dr. Daryl Bach has been gracious enough to spend time with us today to talk about uh, the Christian response to anti-Semitism. And Dr. Bach, we, we truly appreciate that. With a few minutes left, I do want to zero in on how we can maybe use this moment, leverage this moment uh, to the glory of God and ultimately the advancement of the gospel. First, I want to say that I recognize that anti-Semitism is a huge problem, and some that are listening to us, Dr. Bach, may feel like Man, I can't stop violence or harassment myself, not to this scale. And obviously, none of us are responsible for what uh, popular or celebrity people may may say. But what we can do is show solidarity. Um, what we can do is to uh, maybe do what the Southern Baptist Convention did back in 2003. They wrote this, that we denounce all forms of anti-Semitism as contrary to the teachings of our Messiah and an assault on the revelation of Holy Scripture. They went on to say, we affirm to Jewish people around the world that we stand with them against any harassment that violates our historic commitment to religious liberty and human dignity. What do you think, Dr. Bach, of a statement like that? Well, it's a good statement. I mean, it, it's it, it's an affirmation of the fact that that um, that our, our when we share the gospel, we're inviting people into a space. Now they're accountable to the Creator for their response, but that's <laughs> I like to joke that's above our pay grade. I'm glad it is, uh, and, and so so our goal is to encourage people to walk with the living God and to uh, think about what he has done on our behalf to show his commitment to us. And, and, and then we leave the results to the Spirit of God and to the person with whom we have shared. And then anything that attacks the dignity of a human being who's made in God's image and is in one sense God's child is something Christians should care about. And it's something Christians have cared about. It's why they care about um, oppression. It's why they care about justice. It's why they, they have been responsible for building many of the hospitals, the care for people, and the way in which we serve one another. That's the, that's the best of the expression of the Christian faith. 
And I just want to say, for those who may not be familiar with your ministry, your history, that I had you on because you have modeled this. I've seen you speak out very, very boldly against African-American hatred or racism towards uh, that community. You've uh, spoken out against anti-Asian hatred and uh, and dehumanizing behavior there. You've been really consistent with us uh, honoring the dignity of every and all human beings. And I do think those of us who um, believe in the sanctity of human life, and this is such an important issue, in particular with a major election looming, that uh, we have to affirm that. Yes, in the womb, that's where it starts. But uh, in moments like this, it gives us an opportunity, Dr. Bach, to add credibility to our convictions concerning sanctity of life, that even here it applies. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, we're, we're, we're a womb to tomb and beyond operation. And yeah. so, uh, you know, uh, we care for people in this life. We care for people beyond this life. We care for them as life is being formed. And uh, how people are treated is an important theme. I mean, at the core of the great commandment are the words of Micah about caring for people and walking humbly with your God and pursuing justice and, and, and uh, being responsive to God. And we try and model that in the way that we live. That's what Christians are called to do and be. And we need, certainly need to model that in the way we talk about people. Well, I've been mean, mentioning throughout our conversation, Dr. Bach, Chosen People Ministries, and uh, there are those who may want to know, how do I get involved? How do I learn more about their work? I just want to encourage folks, we'll put a link uh, to Chosen People Ministries' website on ours. You can go to equipradio.org, click on today's program details. We'll make sure we add that link there and on our social media pages. But also just know some events that are coming up November 15th. I know you guys have a special evening of Thanksgiving, celebrating what God is doing among the Jewish people and through the ministry uh, around the world and uh, grateful for that. Also an upcoming trip to uh, Israel uh, next year. So a lot there. So I want to encourage people, build your awareness. One of the great things we could do is build our awareness and to stand together as Christians for the advancement of the gospel and the dignity of all people. Dr. Bach, you're off the hot seat, brother. I appreciate you. <laughs> well, I'm glad to do it. Let me mention also the Alliance for Israel, which is another group that talks about peace between actually Palestinians and Israelis that is rooted in the gospel. And that's another group and another, if you Google that, that's another site that looks at this from a yet another angle that's also related to human dignity. Dr. Bach, thanks for what you do. Uh, you're writing your research, your willingness to engage cultural issues that are relevant to uh, the Christian faith. You can find out more, again, about Dr. Bach at our website, equipradio.org. Remember, he's the Director of Cultural Engagement at Dallas Theological Seminary, so there's so much content there. God bless you, brother. Thank you, Chris. Uh, folks, I hope that this conversation has been enlightening, that it's been informative. But all of that means nothing if it doesn't move us to action. So my prayer is that maybe you'll go to your social media page today and say, I stand against anti-Semitism. This was one of my own personal ways 
of uh, standing against any dehumanizing behavior. Let's be consistent with that, regardless of who the hatred is directed towards. And let's try our best to bear faithful witness to all humanity that Jesus Christ is the way to salvation. Until we're together again, remember Equipped with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Hey there, friends, Chris Brooks here, and I got a question for you. How great is your desire for God in this season? Are you walking joyfully with him, or are you struggling in your Christian life? Coming up, I'll have a conversation with Dr. John Piper. He'll help us to rediscover deep joy in Jesus and how to navigate when we don't desire God. Don't miss Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central, on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.